0: Welcome to Innovating Humanity, the official podcast for Birmingham Tech. I'm Jude Jennison, the host of this podcast, and I'm the founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I work with senior leadership teams to help them align through behavioural change. In this podcast, we'll be exploring the intersection between technology, humanity and leadership, and looking at how we use technology to be more human and increase emotional connection, And enhance the way that we live and work i'll be interviewing leaders from technology businesses who are at the forefront of changing how we live and work you will not want to miss this some of the conversations have been enlightening and inspiring and i hope you enjoy them as much as i have done daniel evans and omran akbel from birmingham enterprise community talk about how technology can connect young entrepreneurs with support for starting and scaling up a business. They explain how every business is both technology-driven and people-driven. They're interested in how we use technology to solve social problems on a global scale, and they share their thoughts on how technology can bring people together with shared values and ideas so we can build global communities with a greater understanding of our differences. Have a listen. Thanks, Daniel and Omron. Thank you both for joining today. Can you tell me who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. So my name is Daniel Evans. I'm a Chief Executive Officer at Birmingham Enterprise Community. Um, I would describe myself as a social entrepreneur. Um, I was born locally, um, studied locally, and now obviously work, work around the region as well in Birmingham. Um, started Birmingham Enterprise Community, almost two years ago now with Omran, um, been a, a very interesting journey so far, providing a lot of support to, to emerging entrepreneurs, not just from the, the Midlands region, but, but really across the world. Um, so delighted to be here today.
0: Thank you. And so you say you're a social entrepreneur and you're supporting other entrepreneurs. Can you, t- can you give me some idea of how you do that?
1: Sure. So, um, we run a range of initiatives, um, that really, I I think that the birth of the organization came out of uh, our own desires to, to figure out how you start and grow a business as, as you know, young entrepreneurs ourselves, how do we do that? And, and knowing the challenges of doing that, learning how to do it, how do we then share this with everyone else and, and help all these other kind of emerging entrepreneurs coming through, um, to kind of fast track that, that learning process that we had to do. So whether it's providing them with, with connecting with mentors, accessing finance, uh, or just figuring out their own um, vision to, to where it is they want to go, we, we provide a whole, whole raft of support around that.
0: Okay, great. And, and Omran, what's your, what's your role in the business?
2: Well, um, my name is Omran Hapan. I'm Chief operation Officer at Birmingham Enterprise Community. Um, you can say I'm an international entrepreneur. <laughs> so since 2012, I've been moving between different countries with different cultures, learning about the cultures, how they run businesses and what resources they utilize for their businesses. Came to the UK in 2016, did my master's degree at Aston. Uh, and once I graduated, I got really involved with the incubators, accelerators in the region, um, I started my own business and I like as well to work with other visionaries, other entrepreneurs who are trying, trying to build their uh, own futures. Um, and then in 2018, I guess, met uh, Dan and uh, we carried on and we built uh, Birmingham Enterprise Committee to what is it now? And as you know, Forward Accelerator is now one of the fastest growing accelerator in the region.
0: And what are some of the common challenges that you're seeing for, for entrepreneurs?
2: It's, you have more of a mindset uh, and it, some, some people in some countries, they have accessibility to resources more than the others. However, in all the countries, when you change your mindset and you know that as a startup, as an entrepreneur, we are always working clean. So it doesn't matter where you are. You work with the minimum resources. So it's just revealing that to the entrepreneurs so they know that there is a possibility you can do no matter where you are. Uh, it's just having the right people around you uh, and uh, have the right vision of doing it.
0: And do you find? do you find that, are you working with mostly tech businesses or is it a wide range of businesses that you're working with?
2: Uh, sector agnostic so we work with everyone because a business is a business it doesn't matter we know a lot there is a lot of focus of tech Mm. but um look at as an example in the region gymshark retail business is a unicorn now and anyway even gymshark relies a lot on tech because without tech you can't run a business right now
1: and that and that was the point i was going to add there is is every business today is technology driven it doesn't matter what you do um so so I guess the answer in a way is yes, is is it is tech businesses that we work with.
0: Well, and it's both, isn't it? Because what, what I'm what I'm exploring, what I'm discovering more recently is that actually at the heart of every business, you have to have technology and you have to have people, because it's people who have the ideas at the moment, who knows in the future, but at the moment it's people who have the ideas and have the vision of what it is they're trying to achieve. And technology is part of the solution, um, but not the only part. It's often the collaboration between technology and, and people that is what makes a business successful, as as in Gymshark, which is it, which is a great example. Yeah. Exactly. Dan, you said you're a social entrepreneur at heart. Tell me more about what you mean by that. I mean, I know I have my own view of what that might be, but I'm sure. interested in yours.
1: So to me, social yeah. entrepreneurship. On entrepreneurship and we look at entrepreneurship as a way of finding um, solutions to problems. So, so I guess what, what I'm saying with, with social entrepreneurship is same thing. We're still trying to find solutions to those problems, but we're doing it in a way that we, we, we really bring that human aspect into it, where we bring that um, impact aspect into it in that we, the reason we're doing it and what's driving that is the pursuit of uh, a, some kind of social cause. Whether that's helping people from a particular background, whether that's helping to to empower people to take um, control of their own destinies, um, I think as well, what something that's at the heart of social entrepreneurship is sustainability. Um, a lot of work that we see that that requires a lot of um, you know investment is 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 it can be poorly funded, you know. Um, or charities that have to rely repeatedly on people donating money in and and kind of sustaining that way. Whereas a, with a, with social entrepreneurship and social enterprises, the the idea is to be able to self sustain um, and keep delivering that impact in, in in a sustainable model that doesn't rely on um, having to go around and, and and fish out sources of funding. And and how
0: how does technology help with that?
1: I think technology helps with that because it's that access, one access to insight, two is the scalability. So being able to deliver impact at scale um, really has, has to be driven by entrepreneur, uh, sorry, by technology. Um, we've seen a lot in terms of with the, the current pandemic, the fact that we're able to sit and do all of our programs hundred percent virtually, we love to get people in in you know, rooms and work with them, but we can deliver it 100% virtually. Uh, what that's actually mean is there are people who who there was barriers before to them accessing uh, the support we were able to offer. Those barriers have been removed for some people. Obviously not everybody, but, but there's certainly a, a wider engagement that's possible that's been driven through the technology we have at our disposal.
2: And uh, as you said, connecting people through technology when we shifted everything virtually, we were able to connect with other entrepreneurs globally. So now in our programs, we have entrepreneurs from Europe, the US, Asia, Middle East. We were able to connect them all together in one room virtually, bouncing ideas uh, all together. So it's somehow the pandemic accelerated our connection with the outside world.
0: So what? Well, I mean, what comes up for me with that is that not only are you um, widening the reach of of who you can reach in terms of dropping the barriers to entry, but you're also creating more of a richer, more cultural, culturally diverse um, engagement as well. And I mean, I'm guessing if you want to if you want to develop a global business, you need to today in today's terms, you need to have that cultural understanding, and that's you know that's complex, isn't it?
2: It is, it is. And you need to be in touch with the people from that culture, from those regions with the experience because you can read books, read articles but until you get in touch with the people in person, face to face or virtually face to face, talking with them. uh, You won't get that sense and they might reveal uh, tipping points that uh, you wouldn't get them unless you are in that country. But right now, we're trying to bring all the countries together in one. and and i think it's it's
1: partly partly you going to that culture in that you go you experience it you know we have entrepreneurs on our program from um from kind of more central europe um latin america we've got some lined up for the next cohort coming through from from um kind of asia um you know you get to immerse yourself in these different ways of doing business but i also think that with all these connections what also happens is the cultures come closer together as well is more of a, there's more opportunities for us to have shared experiences with people from, from completely different countries to our own. You know, most people around the world would know what Netflix is or what, um, you know, have, have used an Uber. Whereas, you know, maybe going back before um, this kind of globalization, that wouldn't be the case
0: yeah and i love that because what what i'm hearing from that is that what you're what you're doing is you're bringing people together who have a shared commitment or a shared desire and and based on that the shared knowledge and experience you're starting to understand difference and and so often we do it the other way around so often we we think well that person's different from me and therefore it creates a divide and it creates distance and we have to work at breaking down barriers, what I'm hearing you're doing is you're bringing people together with a shared experience and from that place you can then start to push the boundaries of what's your experience and what's mine and do do you find that doing that generates more creativity or...?
2: Definitely, definitely because you you start looking at problems or challenges for example from different angles Uh, at the same time, you look at how other countries innovated. So let's say we, we took an international entrance actually um, for a few months. And while doing the research and giving some examples, we highlighted, for example, the equivalent of Uber for us is Kareem in the Gulf area. It's basically the same, but different names. And to be more appealing for that market, you start to understand that it's there is those big challenges being tackled in the same way, maybe mm. different approach. Yeah. And uh, as um, a startup uh, founder or uh, a leader talking about leadership, you all we all have the same vision to go to one goal, but we are flexible in the way of reaching that goal. And knowing all those approach give us that flexibility that I can reach the point I want, if I can be agile and know more and listen more of what I can do.
0: So uh, there's, there's something important here around how we bring people and technology together to, to, for, the, for the benefit of people rather than for the benefit of technology. Because what, what I'm hearing is you're bringing people from different countries. In a virtual world, we've got more access to people. Do we need to be careful then that we don't create more distance because once you've got a community of people who are all over the world, the chances of all you all getting together as a community physically, face to face, are so remote, are so unlikely that, that actually then you don't create the same level of intimacy that you would if you were physically in a room. What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think even at a local level, this is something that we're having to look at now with with the, the COVID pandemic and you know there's um you know most of the meetings that we're now having that would normally be with people maybe in the next office block to us and we would you know either meet at each other's office and have a coffee, you know, they're happening over over Zoom and there's there's you know a convenience to that. You know, there was somebody that, that said to me, oh, you know, um, I would rather do it by Zoom because it saves me about an hour in having to travel to and from from an office. Um, as you said, the danger is, is we we fall into a comfort zone with that. Um, But I think there's still a lot that we can't replicate in terms of, um, I guess, emotional understanding, um, even, even simple things like, you know, the the trust that's built up through sitting face to face with someone, shaking a hand, um, the, the, all those kind of signals. um, It's very difficult to replicate that over Zoom. Yeah. I
0: mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because, You know, my my work is my work is face to face and it's outdoors with a herd of horses. And and the moment somebody walks through my gate, there's that sense of, well, crikey, I'm in an environment that I don't understand. And I'm about to get feedback on my leadership skills from a horse. And that makes no sense on paper. And and so there's a sense of nervousness when people walk through my gate. But the moment that I stick my hand out and say hello and shake somebody's hand, I see them visibly go, oh, it's okay it's okay she's human and and you get a sense of how much you can trust somebody just from a simple handshake can't you and and we we're, we're missing some of those um and and the physical touch as well we we we're, we're missing um that even actually when we're face to face now we we don't we don't shake hands so how how do we how do we create that in online communities do you think
2: it is it is a hard one um I, for myself, I still prefer the face-to-face interaction. I still prefer having people in one room doing a workshop or a session in one room. At the same time, I utilize the technology remotely. I, I work in monitoring and eva- as monitoring and evaluation consultant for a company based in the Middle East. The first time I met my manager, it was after like a year and a half, working together daily. We got a lot of things done. When we met face-to-face, sorry. Uh, when we met face-to-face the first time, uh, he looked different than what I imagined. I, I imagined him a skinny guy, and he imagined me a, like a, a fatter guy than I am, and then it was totally the opposite. And we started laughing. I was like, no, no, it's not the case at all. Uh, so we still need to... get together in one room and get just like and uh, for example in our program forward one of the uh, startups is based on costa rica a few weeks ago they came here to the uk to be with us and to build partnerships because it's essential when you are building long-term partnerships it's going to be much easier if it's face to face or for example if you're signing a deal of 100,000 or 500,000 or a million. If I've never met you in person, I won't have the same confidence of signing something like this off. But I wonder then how much of
1: this is is because it's the way that we've always done things. You know, we're, we're used to doing that. Is it that we need to go through a period of conditioning where we learn to be able to pick up those cues when we're not in the same room? Does um, kind of blended realities that, that, that maybe could be offered out by virtual reality um, replace some of that? I, I, I can't even imagine in my mind that it will come close anytime soon, but can it start to, to bridge that divide?
0: I think I think it's both and, isn't it? I think it's how do we integrate the two? I mean, I, my own personal experience is I, when I worked at, at IBM the last seven years, I was running European and global teams. And so I started to work from home because I wasn't talking to anybody in the office and and it meant I could have a dog and I could go and walk my dog at lunchtime, which I couldn't do when I worked in an office. And so it meant that it gave me a better quality of lifestyle. But what I also found was that over time, that lack of physical contact and, and that ability to just sit in a room and have a coffee and laugh together Um, was missing. And that over a period of time, I got less and less engaged with the company culture. I was still really, really committed to the work that I was doing and committed to the teams that I was working with. But I got less engaged with the wider corporation and the culture of the corporation because I became more removed from it. And so I think it's a really interesting place for us to explore is now that we've now that we've tried remote working and lots of people have said they're much more productive and and that was my experience in IBM too was that often by two o'clock in the afternoon I'd done what was on my to-do list. Whereas in the office it would take me till seven at night. So, you know, because you don't have those distractions and you can switch them off. So so there's benefits, there's benefits to it in terms of there's increased productivity, we can collaborate more effectively, we can use the online tools. But the levels of trust that you're talking about, omran, I think we can't build those in the same way. so i think it's it's interesting to look at how do we build communities in a way that it's both that that it's that we create both the physical communities and the virtual communities and use the best of best of both what what are your thoughts on that?
1: I think that there's a point we reach where where we, we blend the two enough that it is a seamless experience mm. in that the same way when, when we spoke at the, ta- at the start about, you know, do we work predominantly with tech businesses or not? And we've said, well, there's not really a distinction. Like, that. it's all the same, you know. It, it would need us to get to a point where we don't differentiate between the virtual world and the and the physical world. They're They're so integrated that it's just one experience for us all.
2: It, it is as well, like the use of creativity right now, the gamification of things. So the other day I was, I saw this software platform where you have the offices of your company in front of you, and there is avatars of the employees. So you have your own avatar, you go inside the office. And then for example, you go to the kitchen or you go to the meeting room. And all the company will know that, okay, you are in the kitchen now and you can move your avatar around. It's kind of nice to, to have that. And that's what I'm saying. We are like fast forwarding into the future, mm-hmm. but, and the technology is a vehicle to move from point A to B, but you need a, you need people to be driving those vehicles and we shouldn't forget this. Uh, because if, even if you look at the statistics right now, the mental health uh, issues that have been raised before because of the isolation, COVID-19 is like skyrocketing. Mm.
0: And I think you raise a really important point there, Omran. In, in terms of how it's the people and and how we use the technology that is actually really important. And I think in the in the past we've we've taken advantage of technology and then used it without necessarily being conscious about the impact it's having on our own mental health. So. You know, I know in the early days of the pandemic, I spent so much time sat rigidly in front of a screen that my my neck and shoulders were just like screaming because that's not how I, you know, most of my days were out in the field. and And I'd spend two or maybe three hours maximum online, whereas having spent sort of 10 or 12 online for weeks on end, I was really having physical problems, but also it's the mental health issues, as you say, from getting stuck into social media. And then often these things are designed to to trap us, aren't they? And to keep us engaged. And and I think there's something there around how we, and that's why I'm really interested in in your approach around being a social entrepreneur of how do we create businesses that are beneficial to humanity and not just designed to engage people to a point where they cease to be human.
1: Yeah, I, I think we fell into a, in a way, a trap with social media. We 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 thought it was it was going to be this thing that, that creates these awesome opportunities, and and to an extent, yes, you know, uh, there are some benefits for it. But it, it's become a this kind of battleground where companies are fighting for your attention. Um, you know, there's a lot of negative things that happen uh, across social media. Um, so it kind of has to be re-examined and rethought, maybe in that social enterprise context. How do we create something that's that, that's that's positive for the world we live in? And I think that's something that we would look at when we're when we're looking at the entrepreneurs we work with, whether they want to go down the social enterprise route, whether they are more of a kind of traditional business, is, is what what is the purpose behind this business and, and you know the the reason we want to help people to start these businesses is so they can go out and have a positive impact on the world. So how do we um, make sure they they know about that responsibility they have to build a business that does that?
2: True. And, and at the same time, because like you said, like social media and all that is growing really fast, faster than we even can have some regulations, mm-hmm. some ethics around it. We need an, we need an ethics code that it, it's mandatory to be followed by those fast-growing social uh, platforms. Um, And I think this is one of the things we need to focus on, on how we can uh, create maybe a peer pressure over those social platforms uh, Mm -hmm. to comply with the um, ethical issues we are facing now.
1: I think the problem is is that the power that they have is these huge organizations that in some circumstances have more power than a government to to wield influence over, over society. Um, So it's how, how do you control people that are more powerful than you?
0: And it's very, it's just very engaging as well, isn't it? So actually it's not the company that's controlling. It's, it's us. It's, it's the individuals. It's the wider community who are choosing to, uh, to use those, those, um, those platforms. So I think there's a place for, for us as consumers that where we need to be much more conscious about the choices we're making, as well as the businesses need, needing to be more conscious about what they're creating as well.
2: True. And this is, again, what's going to take us to what we're going to be talking about, Birmingham Tech Week, because we're going to be talking about future communities and that integration and decentralise this power uh, to be in hands of the public, the uh, citizens, uh, to take to take um, responsibility of, or they are able to manage what they are accessing, or how they are being used. Let's say.
0: So, final question for you both. Then, what's your hope for the future in relation to technology and humanity? I know that's a big question, but. Just your first first thoughts
1: around that. <laughs> That's so difficult. It, it's, you know, as 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 I said near the start, and, and, and as Omran said, what we're going to talk about BEM Tech Week is this kind of future society and, and aiming for uh, some kind of utopian living where kind of people get exactly what they they need to have. People are treated the way that people should be treated. Um there's a, you know, a whole load of issues around that and how we get there and who decides actually what where the right and wrong sits so for me i think it's 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 seeing technology play um more of a positive role in that hopefully driven by and, and we do see a, a huge drive in social entrepreneurship at the moment especially in a lot of um young people coming through um how do we use entrepreneurship? How do we use technology to fix the global issues that the world faces? And I hope that we we, that's what we start to do.
2: Um, for me, technology made our life easier, save us time, save us money, uh, including the quality of our life. Uh, but it's just being careful about how fast we are looking at the positive things. And wait as well, the negative impact that can be, uh, generated from that. Uh, But it is, it is a great future and we are moving in a, like, in a good fast. It it is nice to see all this development. It is nice to to be at home and just tell Alexa, buy me thing uh, instead, instead of me searching and doing it, it's making our life easier. And it's just need to be aware of the other negative impact it has, as long as we are aware. going to be fine We don't need to forget that about it
1: i think maybe that's then where where we go is you've said that it's made things faster and quicker and easier maybe then the next thing it needs to improve is the way we relate to each other
2: yep
0: daniel omran that's been fantastic to talk to you thank you so much for your time today
2: thank you thank you very much thank you
0: I'm struck by Daniel and Omran's desire to use technology in a way that enhances the lives of human beings and fix global social issues. That's a big ask. The future of humanity and technology comes down to how we use it, both consciously and ethically. What I'm hearing Daniel and Omran say is that it's on all of us to consider how we do that, both as consumers and in business. And I share Daniel's final words, that technology has made things faster and easier. Maybe now it's time to make sure we use it to relate to each other better. How can you use technology better to relate to others? That's it for this week. You've been listening to Innovating Humanity, the official podcast for Birmingham Tech Week. I'm Jude Jennison, host of the podcast and founder of Leaders by Nature, a leadership and team development company. I hope you've been as inspired by this week's guest as I have. If you'd like to know more about how I help leaders and teams be more human in a world of technology, you may be surprised to discover I do it by working in a field with a herd of horses. Sound crazy? All innovation's crazy in the beginning. So if you like to think outside of the box and get rapid results, you can find out more at www.judejennison.com. And if you'd like to find out more about the exciting technology scene in Birmingham, hop on to the Birmingham Tech website at www.birminghamtechweek.com. Until next time, that's it from me, Jude Jennison, the official podcast partner for Birmingham Tech.